more time, let's just take a moment and just, just worship him for a moment. Just lift your hands, tilt your head back. Let the cares of the day just kind of fade away. There's a ministering presence of the Lord that's here right now. And he wants to minister to the hearts of his people. What you think can't be remedied, God could remedy in five seconds. And all it would take is a heart that says, God, I can't go any further. I need you right now. I need you right now. I'm desperate for you right now. I'm desperate for you. That's what worship is all about. It's me saying, God, I can't do it any further. I can't wait for Wednesday. I, I can't wait for Sunday. God's going to visit his church again in this hour and gather a group of people that can't wait to get to the house of God because they're hungry to see the things of God manifested in their life. You got your Bible, Psalms. Chapter 89. Psalms chapter 89. Starting with verse 19. Then thou spakest in a vision to thy holy one. Said, I have laid help upon one that is mighty. I have exalted one chosen out of the people. I have found David, my servant. With my holy oil, I have anointed him. With whom my hand shall be established. So he says, I found, first of all, I chose somebody. I found them. Now this is what I'm going to do with them. My hand is going to be established. My arm shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. And I will beat down his foes before his face and plague them that hate him what he's saying is is there's a benefit to being chosen by God the question you and I need to ask ourselves tonight can I be one of those because God very clearly says I found me somebody I chose them and when I find them, this is what I'm going to do for them. I don't know about you, but this preacher here in this pulpit tonight is on a quest. And I find that my fervency and intensity has only increased for the one thing that this scripture says, that I'm going to be a chosen one that's going to see my enemy defeated. Lift your hands right now and ask God to talk to us tonight. Jesus, I'm asking you for a special anointing to move in this building. God, I ask you for an anointing 
that would break every yoke in this building today upon each and every one of us. That, God, we could leave with an encouragement, a word from you to understand that, God, you are designing and putting together a people. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. You may be seated. There be a title or a target tonight summed up in this statement, holding on in a place that is forgotten. Holding on in a place that is forgotten. This particular scripture is one that we have heard frequently as the writer of Psalms saying, I found me a man. I found me someone it wasn't a random pick. I have pondered and thought on and studied this scripture in Psalms 89. And you've heard me declare it many times that God never goes looking for something that he doesn't intend to find. If God went looking for it, he knew what he was going to find. But yet tonight I want to add another part to that statement. The question is who? He knows that if I'm going to look for it, and even God in his infinite knowledge, he knew the who. But I want to bring it down to us and, and how David was on this, what we call the backside of the hill or the wilderness. That God sent a search party looking for an entity and a who. But David was the determining factor of whether he would be the one that God would find. You see, it's not a matter of what God, God knows all things. I've heard the doctrine of predestination, Calvinism, and we don't buy into that. It's an unfounded doctrine according to Scripture that God does not predestinate anything. You and I, God offers his sovereign will, but you and I determine whether we are part of that will and that plan by our own choice. Sure, God knows the end, but you and I determine whether I'm going to get into that plan or that flow or that divine direction that God wants to give his people in the end time. This story is a, a very unique story. First Samuel chapter, I think 15 or maybe 16 where it starts. And there is Samuel grieving over the demise and the fall of Saul. Saul was never the will of God for the kingdom. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. God always said that out of my lineage or the lineage I have picked will be the lineage of Judah from which the Messiah will come and an anointed king will come from that. Saul was never the plan and the will of God. That was the will of the people that chose it through democracy. God's intent was always to raise up a man that he qualified the man, but the man in turn chose to be in the will and the plan and the purpose of God. I still believe that God is looking for a people that want to serve him just because he's good. He's looking for a people that just wants to worship him just because he's good. You don't have to cheerlead me. You can don't have to sing another song. I'm going to worship him whether you're on key or you're not on key. I'm going to worship him whether it goes flat or it doesn't go flat. Why? Because I made up in my mind. It doesn't matter how obscure and how far away I may feel from the plan of God. If I can hold that place. 
I can hold the position that seemingly is forgotten. The position is waiting. I wish I'd have got about four amens right there. Or an oh my or an oh me. The position is waiting, Sister Georgia. Because you see, what would look like is the kingdom is crumbling down. The king Saul has failed. And even the prophet Samuel, it amazes me. It shows the human attachment by that man of God that he had with Saul. That this was his, he had a buy-in to this. And Saul, or Samuel's now grieving over the death of Saul. And God steps in to Samuel and says, I got something set up that you can't see right now. Stay with me tonight. I got something that you're not seeing, Samuel. I, I've got something that's in the works. See, this is the part I cannot see. As Saul was doing his roller coaster ride of living for God, going up and down, surely the people saw the lack of altars in Saul's life. Here you are, my king, and you should be the one leading by example, teaching me how to pray, teaching our kingdom how altars are critical. But Saul was up and down and up and down. He was backslidden one day and he lived for God another day but here's what you and I got to see there was a man over here that God was working on consistently and as much as Saul was going up and down and the down and outs and the people were discouraged and the kingdom was in trouble God's over here working on a David on the backside. See, what we can't see is many times lives parallel, Brother Sean, while you and I are in here worshiping and praising God and trying to grab a hold of faith and everything we can from God. Our enemy over here and the things we're asking God for are going up and they're going down. But you hear me. There's coming a day that all the worship that you've been hanging on for and all the praise you've been hanging on for and all the prayer you've been hanging on for, God's going to say it's time to come from the back side to the front side but the struggle and the battle is I see the inconsistencies of Saul I see let's bring it down to where we are as the church you see people come in and go out we see our sons and daughters and family and friends that have gotten the Holy Ghost and they're a million miles away but if you and I will just be that David and hold to a position on the backside that is forgotten about. People don't talk about prayer no more. They don't talk about tearing until. It's all now naming and claiming, and God's going to give you a miracle today. Can I tell somebody right now, God may not give me the miracle today, but if I hold my position and I stay faithful to the things of God and I stay faithful to what I committed to God, I promise you this, God's going to see fit that he's going to move me out, and my whole world's about to change. God's about ready to move the church from one dimension to another because the hour is demanding an entity and a people that says God I'm in it for the long haul you ain't got to beg me to live for God you don't have to beg me to praise you I'm going to praise you from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same and it no matter what it costs I got a little revelation back in the day 
they preached about hell all the time. And we had such a moving of God. People moved so convicted by hell. But now, you don't hear about it quite as much. And here's what hit me. They heard about it and responded. When some of them may have slipped off in eternity and it paid. But many of that generation heard it. But they really didn't need it. Stay with me. And now when we need it the most, we can't believe it's real in here. Is that making sense? I'm not negating the great messages we heard. I heard them, brother, brother, heard and all this. Man, dangle you over hell. Jonathan Edwards, uh, angry, hands in the anger of a, a sinner in the hands of an angry God. I know the impact of it. But think about the time. Just slip with me in time. Did God come then? No. And people were drove. They, they, they fell on the altar and conviction was there. And now... We're at the end. I don't know the time, but we're closer now. Me and our old pastor was talking. I might have mentioned this Sunday morning. or No, I didn't because I talked to him Sunday night. And here's what we said. He said, Brother Benoit, he said, I got a different spin. I said, I really believe all this stuff that's happening is another sign to us that the coming of the Lord is close. He said, I'm going to give you another spin to it. He said, I never thought of it like this, but hear me. He said, back 50 years ago, the Antichrist, he couldn't have done it with radio. He couldn't have done it with TV. But now with the internet, he can. He could stand in one locale and reach the masses through internet. The setting is set. You know what God's trying to show us? Not that we can't preach about hell and not that we can't reach for people and preach great messages on hell. I'm for it. Thank God for it. But you know what I sense in the Holy Ghost God is trying to do in this end time hour? He's trying to find people that are going to serve him not out of fear and going to hell, but a fear of missing heaven. How good it's going to be and how wonderful it's going to be and how glorious it's going to be to a people that have held on the backside of a wilderness. God's going to translate them into another world that's why I've touched it sometimes brother Charlie but it's come to me so many times if I scare the hell out of you no pun intended I'm not trying to be cold but if I scare it out of you and fear moves you that serves for just so long but if I teach you how to have a relationship with him, I lift my leg and I shout because David, that was his secret. David was the one that said, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto the Lord. Dance before the Lord. Leap before the Lord. I'm telling you what's going to keep you until God gets you off the backside. I've got a hole to what I know gets me through. See, and here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to smoke screen it. We're trying to, and I'm going to use this as an example because it's the only thing coming to my mind now. We want a fancy light show and put a bunch of smoke up there to hide the lack of anointing. 
and mask it and try to get some club's disco thing going on and maybe that's going to get somebody's emotions moving. Let me preach to an apostolic church tonight. I'm going to hold to what I know on that backside. If the fervent effectual prayer of a righteous man avail, then I'm going to pray fervently and I'm going to hang on until God looks down over the sapphire seal of heaven and says, boy, I see you. I found me another man and I'm going to choose him and I'm going to make his enemy his footstool. I'm sorry to excite you on Wednesday night. I know Wednesday nights are kind of easy and laid back. We just ate supper and I'm a little full. But I know what I know in the Holy Ghost when he spoke to me on Monday. Very clearly. Holding a position that's forgotten. It's no more remembered my man. It's no more remembered by Christianity. What did David do on the backside of that hill? We call it the backside. While he's alone tending sheep. What was the emotions of, of David on that backside? Samuel shows up and whatever it was, 1 Samuel 15 verse 1 or 15 or 16, I don't know where it's at. Samuel shows up and watch what God says in the verse. He says, and the Lord said, it's chapter 16, 1 Samuel. Lord said unto Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I rejected him from reigning over Israel? Hear me. God has come to a point where he's fixing to reject fake worship. And he's raising up a David on the backside of the hill that worships with all his heart. Let me, let me give you a key note. When Jesus was in the garden and they all came for him, watch what happened. He said, I am that I am. And what happened? They all fell backwards. When you oppose the will of God, you can't worship. They fell backwards. But when the woman had an issue of blood and her world was falling apart and her life was falling apart and the doctors couldn't cure her, she fell forward. A sign of worship. When you don't know what to do, when you don't know where to turn, the best place you could ever turn is fall forward. Fall flat on your face and worship him in spirit and truth. Don't oppose his will in the hour. But in this hour, it's, it's a little different because we've got so much baggage that we can't break through. We can't break through it. And the presence of God is so real. And I believe because it's abounding grace, his presence is going to get more real and it's going to get more apparent and it's going to get more tangible for the church because where sin doth abound, grace is going to abound that much more. But here's the position. I got to make sure that I've held what I know on the backside of that heel because regardless of what Saul's doing out here and regardless of the rejection, God is going to pay a visit one day and he's going to go through Israel and he's going to go through Judah and he's going to go through Indian Village and he's going to go through Cameron and he's going to go through Lake Charles and he's going to find a people that realizes I've been hanging on for some promises I've been hanging on for some things in God and I'm not now about to throw it I see the demise of Saul I see the failure of Saul it's a lack of an altar I'm going to build my altar unto the Lord with everything that I have and if it costs me then I'm going to pay the supreme sacrifice that the glory of God comes
He said, I rejected him. Here's what God's going to do in the end time. He's going to reject the charlatans. He's going to reject the showboats. He's going to reject those that are head and shoulders and looks like they got the part. God ain't concerned in how you look. He's concerned in me and your heart. He's concerned in how you and I can come to the house of God and fight hell Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and come back in here on Sunday and say, God, I'm still here. I'm still going to worship you. I'm still going to praise you. That kind of individual, I'm telling you, is going to walk on streets of gold. I'm not going to do it because I'm afraid of hell. I'm going to do it because I get to dance in heaven and I get to walk with Jesus. Folks, that's what living for God's all about. I get to see Jesus above it all. But the struggle, that's why I believe in this end time there's going to be a strong hand of deliverance that's going to come. Because though some want to worship him, they can't because they're demonically bound. They're bound. They're bound by immorality. They're bound by perversion. They're bound by fornication. They're bound by addictions. They're bound by perversion. And except the power of God comes in a delivering fashion. I'm preaching to people that's on the backside of a hill. You're on the backside tilling, tending to some smelly, stinky, aggravating sheep. Your brothers, your sisters, your neighbors, your cousins, your aunts, your houses, your community, our state, our world. It's the world we live in. It's people. And people are trying to pull you and I out from the other side where God's doing the greatest work on the backside of that hill. Think David didn't struggle? Saul shows up. The rejection's there. And watch what he says. Feel the horn. Now you've heard me talk about this, but never detail like tonight. When God came to anoint Saul, or when Samuel came to anoint Saul, he didn't use a horn. He used a pitcher. Signifying, symbolic of man-made anointing. The pottery was fashioned by the hand, man. And it carried an anointing that it wasn't designed to carry. But God said, because the will of the people are demanding this, I'm going to give them what they want and it's going to destroy them. Folks, I don't know about you, but these scriptures and principles, they ring so powerful in my mind. That means I can demand something of God and be out of his will and he still give it to me because I'm so. That's the hour and the spirit of this hour. Think about people that's come. If God don't do do it for me today, I'm not coming. If God don't heal me, I quit. If God don't fix my thing, I quit. If God don't fix my man, I'm done. If God don't take care of my kids, I'm not going to live for God and I'm not going to worship him either because he, he didn't do me right. It's all represented man-made anointing that was poured over Saul, but that was man's choice. But for David... What does it say? A what? Horn. Symbolic of God's creation. God's anointing. Now go to Psalms 89. Keep that right there. But Psalms 89 says this. For I have chosen 
a mighty one. God saw David before he was ever mighty. God sees you and I tearing down strongholds and having a revival that shakes an area before we ever do it. Why? Because there's a group of people that have made up in their mind. I'm in a place that's forgotten about. It seemed like God's a million miles away. It seemed like my family's a million miles away from coming to God. But I'm going to hold. I'm going to hold. I'm going to defy culture. I've said it like this before. An, a, an area should never influence the church. The church should influence the area. The church is the center post that creates a culture and a community and a state. But when the community or the state influences the church and the church becomes like the world, it's out of order and it's late to see it. But when the church is operating on all eight cylinders, that don't mean you can't have a bad day. That don't mean you and I can't walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That don't mean we can't go through moments of depression and hopelessness, anxiety and anxious moments. But what it does mean is this. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. I can walk through the valley and he'll be the lily of the valley. I can rise to the mountain and he'll be the bright morning star. It doesn't matter where I go or what I go through. God is able to keep me and bring me through. He says, I'm going to anoint him with my anointing. This is speaking again, symbolically, metaphorically. It's speaking of the end time. Because if you go read Acts chapter 15, 16, it says the tabernacle of David is going to be resurrected again. What he's trying to say is the anointing I put on David was made by me. And in the end time, there's going to be a church that's going to receive the question. The question is who? Have I been through some hard times? More than this church and you will ever know. Times that if I told you what happened to me and what I've been through and the things that was said and the things that was done, you'd be standing back going, there ain't no way I believe that that's what happened. Here's the difference. I made up in my mind, God, whatever shifted David from the backside to a kingdom authority, then God, I'm going to stay on this backside. I'm going to worship you on this backside because here's why. I'm not doing this just for here. I'm doing it for there. And if I can worship him here, I can worship him there. If I can, So I praise him when I'm in the valley. I praise him when I don't feel good. I lift my hands and open my mouth because I'm doing in a dress rehearsal for what heaven is going to be like. He said, I put my, Samuel, you need to suck it up. Quit whining, quit complaining about the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Because I got a David over here that I'm raising up. I got a church in 2021 I'm raising up. I got a saint of God in 2021 I'm raising up. I got a preacher that I'm raising up. And it might look like they're in obscurity. It might look like they're forgotten about by family and friend. But when God said, it's time for you to come out, hell can't stop it. Your family can't stop it. But the struggle 
is when God ain't moving and God ain't talking and God ain't moving and I ain't feeling no goosebumps and I ain't feeling no hair stand up. Really, the true test is when you don't feel nothing. What made David the who? Has anybody ever pondered the question? Well, because God said, yeah, but here's what you got to see. And this is what God shared with me on Monday. David did some things that caused God to say, I found him. Yeah, but David's action caused him to buy into what God designed. See, I can, God can say I'm looking and he can say it like this. I have chosen Brother Mark and Tell to be a missionary to Zimbabwe. I figured somebody would have laughed at that. I think it's honking hysterical. He ain't going to no Zimbabwe. But let's pretend. If Brother Mark and Tell don't come into what God has found in him. He will sit right here and God will move to the other. It did not have to be. It had to be Judah, but it could have been anybody. Do I believe in God's divine providence? He set the thing up? Yes, God knows the future. He knew David was going to be the man, but David had to know he was the man. And what makes God saying, I found me a man is David saying, I've held to a position when everybody forgot about me, gave up. See, David, I don't believe David was in sin on the backside of that hill. He lived godly. He lived righteous on the backside. See, because on the backside, some of the temptation, and I keep using the term backside, it don't say it. It just says he was out there with the sheep. But you don't think sometimes, Brother Fontenot, when them sheep didn't get to moving like they should have, Brother Bushnell, he kind of just looked at him and go, really? There's a party at Daddy's house, and I can't even get invited? There's a party going on at Daddy's house, and I can't even go? See, now here's what you got to see. Samuel's showing up, and he said, I will send thee to Jesse, for I have provided me a what? A king. He never said who. Because while the prophet and the man of God's working, God's over here working on the man. And the prophet and the man of God, God's just saying, do what I tell you to do with no contention. Just preach what I tell you. Do what I tell you. Don't ask no questions, man of God and preacher. Just do what I say. Because there's a David over here that I'm raising up. And at the right time, he's going to come before. You don't need to know his name. You just need to be willing to do what I ask you to do. And if you're willing to do what I ask you to do, See, David's in a place forgotten about by his brothers, his family. And I really believe that in David's mind, go read some of them Psalms. He talks about God. God, do you know where I am? Paraphrasing. Do you even know I exist? And God says, uh huh. Can you be righteous and hold when everything else seems unfair? When God seems unjust, 
when God, you know, if he could go to Paul walking on a Damascus road, who's a murderer persecuting the church, in my opinion, here's what we'd say. He's just a good old devil, carnal devil. That's what we'd say. But you know what God said? God said, I know just how to get his attention. See, we know that. But what do you do when it seems like God won't do that and God's unjust? And God's not working it like I want him to work it. And God's not moving and dealing with a situation like I know God can do. I've done heard the stories. I mean, I was raised on them. Them coming in and people, just hear the miracles of God. And when God chooses to just wait, here's what he's saying. I'm wanting you to see what you can do on that backside when you just be patient and let me work. Don't press me. Press me for the things of the kingdom, but don't press me for your own gain. He says, I just need you to go take care of the king thing. And Samuel takes off, and watch how funny. When he shows up, the men in the city and all the elders, when that man of God showed up, they said, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing here? Are you here in peace? Or are you here to judge everything? The power that a man of God holds. See, the world has totally removed that out. It's no more just a man of God anymore. He's a hireling, gets a paycheck, and a number on the IRS books. When you and I better never forget, God will always have the five-fold ministry in our life. He will always have a church, and he will always have a body of people together that follow the hearing and the voice of the Spirit. God is still calling his church to higher dimensions in the Spirit, higher dimensions in prayer. Our youth that are going to walk in dimensions, I believe that there's prayers that have yet to be prayed by our young people, our young adults, our married couples. God's looking for a people that he can say, I chose them because they realize on the back side. I got to stay holy. I got to stay godly. I got to stay righteous. I got to do the things that matter to God because no and he shows up and when he shows up they ask the question and when they get done he says no 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 no. I'm here for a job. I'm going to Jesse's house Bethlehem. He gets to Bethlehem and watch what Jesse does. Jesse starts bringing in the first in order of birth, the second. Because word had done gotten around, hear me, word had done gotten around. To be a king and to be one in authority, you got to be head and shoulders above everybody else. See, God's not looking at me and your ability. He's looking at our hearts, Sister Georgia. And can I worship him when the chips are down? Can I praise him when nobody asks me to the party? Can I love God when I'm on the backside and hold to a position of righteousness and godliness and the things of God? Young people, hear me. The greatest battle you're going to face is going to be holding to the position of righteousness and godliness and try to follow after the things of God because everything in this world is going to try to rob you of your purity, rob you of your godliness, rob you of your prayer. Young couples, you hear me tonight. The enemy don't want you to stay together. The enemy don't want you to work. The enemy wants to destroy your husband. He wants to destroy your wife. And he wants to destroy them babies before they ever get to college. But if there's a mama and a daddy that says, I'll stay on the backside and I'll worship him. If I'm by myself, I'm going to worship him by myself. 
true test. Can you worship him when nobody else is worshiping him? Can you praise him when the congregation is silent? Because that spontaneous, yes, could be the one time God gives you a chance to say, you could be my who. But no, I'm just going to chill out and hang out right here. It's Wednesday night. We don't do that on Wednesday. God's looking for a who. And I made up in my mind, Brother Larry, I'm going to be the who. They can laugh at me standing on the back of a pew. They can laugh on me sweating until my veins pop out of my neck. I can have 15 coronaries. I really don't care. I'm going to give him everything I got because I know if I can let heaven know, I'm not leaving. I'm staying where you want me to stay. I'm going to hold what you want me to hold to. I'm going to praise you when it don't feel good. I'm going to praise you when I don't feel like it. I'm going to love you and lift my hands when my body says no. I'm going to lift my feet. God, when my feet feel like I got cinder blocks on them because I know you're good and you're faithful and you've never let me down and I want heaven to know I'm going to be with you. Skip down, Brother Ron. Give me verse 5 quickly. You ready? Verse 5, 6, just somewhere in there. Peaceably I come. Next verse 6. Came to pass, they all looked at Elab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed. He's saying, Right here, I'm looking at the anointed. See, but here's what's happened, Brother McNabb. They forgot about that position out there that that little boy's holding. They forgot about it. He didn't exist, Brother Roger and Jesse, the daddy. He didn't exist. He's out there tending sheep. He's the eighth of the sons. He's what we call the runt. I got a spare. It don't matter if nothing happened to him. I got a spare. I got seven more. I'm waiting on some of y'all to come on to church. He's eight. Really? I mean, it's tough enough to feed seven. If I lose one, yeah. Just less social security check. That's how people really do think. He said, he's before me. Next verse. The Lord said unto Samuel, look not. Here it is. See, hold on. I found me a man. What did it just say? Look not. See, because what he's trying to show Samuel, the prophet, that the Bible said, no word from his mouth fell to the ground. There's nobody like Samuel. And God had to say, hey boy, don't look this you're still grieving over Saul and you can't let it go and because you can't let it go you're going to miss the greatest anointing of the nation what is it brother Joe I can't let go and it mirrors through my lack of worship and praise and magnifying and and he's saying to the prophet bless God how, how dare him tell me that don't he know who I am? The prophet Samuel got a rebuke from the Lord saying, don't you look at what this is. Don't look at his high. He's saying, Samuel, let Saul go. 
because you're on the precipice. You're at the threshold. And here's what he kept pounding in my head, Brother Bushnell, on Monday. David was on the backside. And let's take, I wish I was like Brother Ewan could tell these great stories. I, I can just see David. He's down there playing with sheep. He ain't no more maybe thinking about the house. Maybe at that time a sheep just kicked him in the shin. Maybe he's fussing. Maybe he's mad. I don't know. But here's what I'm trying to say. He's obviously disconnected from what's going on in the house. He's not backslid. He's not lost. He's not a devil. He is a man that has tried to make the best of a bad situation. Honestly, David was the one that pinned it like this. Let truth be on my inward parts. That's not big T. That's little T, brother Roger. When you see little T in the Bible, it means you be honest. And David said, let honesty be upon me. So David's out there in the dealing with the sheep. And in here, I got a prophet that's looking at things he shouldn't be looking at and won't let go of the past. And he's about to miss the greatest coronary anointing or coronation to a nation. The man that everybody's been waiting for. Kind of like when Jesus showed up. The Pharisees and Sadducees couldn't even see it because they were so in their own world of selfish. I got it all figured out. I know what's best. And Jesus turned and said, your whited sepulcher is full of dead men's bones. You don't have a clue because you can't look now at what's right in front of you. The change is upon us. And I'm preaching to this church tonight. I felt it so strong, Sister Katie. Change is upon us. I'm not just talking about a change of, of little things. I'm talking about a spiritual shift from the backside of obscurity and forgotten about and never remembered to you and I moving to the other side where Samuel says, I got it now. I'm letting Saul go. I'm letting the past go. I'm letting my worries go. And I'm going to trust him like I've never trusted him before. He said, come on, boy. No outward appearance, but the Lord. How many times have I said tonight, you know, he's not looking at all this. He's looking at what? There's scripture. He's looking at your heart. That doesn't alienate us from holiness. Don't go on that road. For without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. They see the Lord through your holiness. That doesn't mean without holiness I ain't going to make it. We can preach it that way, but it really preaches the other way. Without holiness, nobody can see God. So we need holiness. But what he's saying to that is, I'm looking at the heart. And if I can get in the heart of that man, I can develop a holy relationship with him like I've had with nobody else. God's ready to reveal secrets from the heavenlies to his people. He's ready to look down at a church that has been faithful. A church that has held through storm after storm after storm after sickness after loss after disappointment. And he's looking down saying, I'm ready to give you the strategy of the kingdom that you can be effective the question is can I believe that I can be the who that's the struggle I'm not preaching to you some Cinderella story I'm not preaching to you some Cinderella story that would be pertaining to believe in God and you're going to become a princess or you're going to become a prince that's not what I'm teaching. What I'm teaching is, is God looks for a man and a people. 
And if he can get them to hold the place that is forgotten about. He will come and at the right time, he'll remind people where you are. And I believe that's what's going to happen right here. God's going to remind people about something that's happening in the Indian village. He's going to remind people that if you want to see a worshiping and praising church, a running, shouting church, an apostolic church that goes sending, an apostolic church that sees miracles, signs, and wonders and does the acts of the apostle, if you want to see that, I found me a church. I found me a I found me a preacher. I found me a saint of God. I found me a community that's willing to sell all to see a true kingdom authority restored back to the church. Is there anybody other than me saying, I'm tired of praying things and blaming it on not God's will when really I'm just not fervent enough for it. It's just not God's will. That is a lie that we've bought from the devil to, to get us excused from fervent, effectual prayer. When the church of the end time, if I remember scripture, the gates of hell shall not prevail. So it doesn't matter what goes on on CNN, ABC, NBC, TBC, TBN, the presidency, the Senate, or the Congress. If I stay in the church and I worship and do what the church is created to do, that's to tear down strongholds. Musicians, come. Tear down strongholds and declare the name of Jesus is Lord over cancer. The Lord of the name of Jesus is Lord over conflict. The Lord of the Lord, his name is greater than any addiction that could ever come to the house of God or the people of God. Yes. Next verse, Brother Ron, quickly. Stand with me. And Jesse called him and made him pass. He said, neither hath the Lord. See, here's the word. God ain't chose him. Here's what I've said a hundred times, Brother Sean. God does play favorites. He's no respecter of person. Here's the revelation of that. We've taken that one to the opposite extreme. Here's the real revelation. He's no respecter of person. God will do anything you ask him to do in his plan for your life if you can be willing to ask him. That doesn't mean the other side. He's no respecter of person. We've used that to kind of buy off these other presidents or things of that nature. What it means is if you got the faith to ask him, God will not play favorites with he'll, his favorite is the one that's got the faith to believe him for the miracle. Next verse. And Jesse made Shama to pass by. He said, nope, I ain't chose this one either. Next one. And Jesse made seven sons. Completion, seven. He said, none of these. You know what? That scares me, Brother Roger. Because here's why. As a preacher, I want everything God's got for me and my family and this church. With everything I got, I want to see it happen. But if God can come before and look upon me and us and say, nope, that makes me very Sad. 
Is that a good word? That's a kindergarten thing. It makes me sad, Sister Claudia. (laughs) Because that means whatever it was I could have been doing, I didn't do. So whatever it is, God, I get to do, let me do it with all my heart. Because if I do it with all my heart, I'll see a kingdom authority restored. Next verse, and I close. And Samuel said, or is this it? He said, oh yeah, I got that ruddy, nasty one out there. Samuel says, watch this. For we will not sit. Here's the close of my message. How long will we sit? Until. He said, we ain't sitting down. How long will I sit? We have been in the sitting position waiting on the things of God for too long. When we need to be in the standing position for the things of God saying, it's ours, God. That's why you gave me the Holy Ghost. What do you say? God's calling for a David. I want to be David. I want to be like Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what, Brother Ron? Sometimes it's hard to achieve him. But if I can learn a little bit from David in his worship and praise and his heart for the things of God, maybe it'll help me get a little bit closer to Jesus. And then I can ultimately be like him. That's my target. Is there anybody that's been hanging on in a place forgotten, but you feel faith tonight saying, God, something's about to change for my situation. I want you to step out of that pew. I want you to make your way to the front and throw your hands in the air and declare God 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 help us Lord God help us tonight God restore fervency back to the church again restore urgency back to the church again restore God excitement back to the church again God restore it back to us God if you're going to find a people God let it be us please don't pass it by but let it be us tonight come on lift your voice right now Lift your voice right now. Lift your voice right now. This is the-